Jackie wanted rain chains. What are rain chains? That's a good question. I had the same question. I'm glad you asked. Rain chains are these decorative, well, chains that would go from your gutters on your house to the ground. And the idea is instead of the regular downspouts, you know, those perfectly good downspouts that carry water away from your house like you should do, the, these rain chains display the water as it comes down the spouts. And my concern, even though Jackie really wanted these chains, my concern was that we wouldn't be able to get the water away from the house. I figured it'd be kind of messy and splatter everywhere. And well, Jackie got her rain chains. And guess what? Water is going everywhere. So we still have to work on that. What's the point? Jackie and I are not always on the same page. We still have arguments. We disagree. Usually I'm right, but that's for another sermon. But if you ask us, we would both admit that we're a little bit stubborn. If you ask Jackie if I'm stubborn, she would say yes. If I was asked if Jackie was stubborn, I would also say yes. But we've realized in our marriage that conflict and disagreement, those things happen. And in fact, over all of our years together, those disagreements have often brought us closer together than drawn us apart. We've realized that there's a, there's a sense of, of, of conflict in a relationship that actually can be a good thing uh, if we're careful and intentional about that. You know, we don't always get it right, but we, we realize that there is something that, that is powerful about conflict that can draw us together. We've also learned, like Pastor Mike said last weekend, if you caught that message, that we can be right in a conflict and still lose. These are things you learn as you move through life and relationships. But I have a theory that really you and I, we, we love conflict. Why do I say that? You're going to make me prove it to you. I think we love conflict because for many of us, we'll even pay to watch people fight. You know, you don't believe me still? There are whole sports that are out there, sports leagues that are all about people, you know, normal, you know, adults beating on each other, and people pay money to watch it. In fact, sports like the MMA, if you've never heard of that, the mixed martial arts, or the UFC, the ultimate fighting champion, or even boxing. You remember boxing back in the day? You know, two guys just kind of duking it out with padded gloves. They just kind of beat each other up, and people will pay for that. Pay-per-view sometimes will charge you upwards of $100 to watch people beat on each other, to watch people fight in the MMA or something like that. And some of those matches only last a couple of minutes. Fighting is a $1 billion industry annually. See, I think deep down there's something in us that, that, that appreciates conflict. That maybe appreciates is the wrong word, but we, we, we lean into conflict. There's something about conflict that, that, is, that is natural. That is something that we, in many ways, can't turn away from. And here's the truth bomb. In healthy relationships, there is conflict. There is fighting. We know that in the natural world, and it's true in relationships. There is something in relationships and in, in, our, in our human interactions that, that tends to lead toward conflict at times. And the reality is, real love is not always smooth sailing. There's bumps and, and, and turbulence in even healthy relationships. Healthy marriages even, if we talk about that, require intention. 
and attention. Healthy relationships require something like a garden, if you want to use that metaphor, that there are times we have to weed out things and watch out for predators, and, and we have to, to feed and, and, and nurture it with things like fertilizer. Well, that's true in marriages as well. For healthy, lifelong love that's joy-filled, there is going to be conflicts. It's not, you know, unicorns and, and butterflies dancing around till death do we part. There is a real place for uh, beauty in relationships, even when there is conflict. We just have to realize that there's going to be some tending and caring that's involved in that. Today we're continuing our series, Bad Advice for Love, and we're in week number three, if you've been tuning in. We're, we're trying to, to debunk and, and tear down those myths and bits of bad advice that really aren't helpful in relationships. Too often, we've allowed pop culture, movies and television, sappy songs, all of those things to, to teach us things about love that really aren't true. And not only are they not true, but they can be damaging to healthy relationships. They, they give us all these false narratives that really are not helpful for our most intimate relationships, especially if we look at marriage. The myth that we're debunking today is attacking that pesky phrase that I know you've heard before. So I'm going to ask you to, to, to try to finish the sentence with me. Here we go. Are you ready? And they lived happily ever after. Yeah, you've, you've heard that before, right? They lived happily ever after, blissfully drifting off into the sunset after falling in love like we talked about in week one. In reality, real love not only has conflict, but it embraces some of those disagreements so that we can grow closer and be healthier people and be stronger for it. My name is Pastor Ben. I'm with Dallas Church. So glad you joined in online today or in person. Uh, Dallas Church here in Dallas and, and Village Church in Adair, we're doing this series together to try to look at God's design for healthy relationships in, in, in that, that lasts for a lifetime. And today we're looking at debunking the myth of happily ever after. We're looking at love the way God designed it. So let's pause for a moment, pray, and then get into our message today. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your love and faithfulness that you teach us so much in your word. Father, help us to lean into your design for healthy relationships and marriage, that Father, we would have a love that lasts a lifetime, even through difficulty and conflict. And Father, we know that you'll restore that joy to us uh, every time we look to you. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, where does this happily ever after phrase come from? And certainly we've anecdotally heard it from like children's stories and fairy tales, even romantic stories. But where, where did it actually start? Well, I did some research on this. And, and apparently the first time the idea of happily ever after was used in relationship to, 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 to love and, and marriage happened in, in, in the Renaissance period, the late 1400s. And there was a, an Italian writer, and I'll, I'll try to say his name right, Giovanni Boccaccio. And, and he wrote a particular novel. And in that novel, here's the phrase that he used. This is a long time ago. Paganino. Hearing the news, married the widow, and as they were very well acquainted, so they lived very lovingly and happily ever after. So they lived very lovingly and happily ever after. Wow. 
So powerful, right? Together, forever, in wedded bliss. Really? Is that, is that the whole story? Is that everything? I really appreciated what uh, an American rabbi, uh, a man named Joshua Liebman, he wrote something about this happily ever after phrase. Now, now uh, Rabbi Liebman, he wrote a book, and he's famous for a book called Peace of Mind, which was at the top of the New York Times bestseller list for over a year. Listen to what he wrote. And they lived happily ever after is one of the most tragic sentences in literature. It's tragic because it tells a falsehood about life and has led countless generations of people to expect something from human existence which is not possible on this fragile, imperfect earth. The happy ending obsession of Western culture is both a romantic illusion and a psychological handicap. It can never be literally true that love and marriage are unblemished perfections. Wow. Ouch. If you were ever wondering how we were ever going to take down this myth or this bad advice, uh, this, this guy captured it, didn't he? But I think he's on to something. That there's, there's something more to love than just expecting smooth sailing and no conflicts and no bumps along the way. And especially for us who follow Jesus. I believe there's another way, a better way to view love for a lifetime, even if it involves some conflict along the way. As we talked about in week one, you don't have to get very far in the pages of Scripture to find relationship. And not only do you find relationship between God and His special creation, humanity, us, but there's a relationship right there at the beginning between men and women. We've got Adam and Eve there in the beginning narrative, Genesis chapter 2. And there's a physical and emotional and spiritual connection between those two human beings. And we find also, as you get further into Scripture, in fact, you don't have to get too much farther past that narrative. Just a few pages later, you're going to find something else. That Scripture does not hide the difficulty and complexity of human relationships. Love between people, two different people, two sinners, is complicated to say the least. And you know this to be true, whether you're married today, whether you're single, uh, whether you're divorced or, or widowed, or maybe you're dating right now, or, or you're hoping to date, or maybe it's just complicated for you right now. We know that it is tricky to navigate love between two people. Thankfully, the New Testament sheds some light for us on how love works best by looking specifically at Jesus Christ and His perfect love, which the scriptures say casts out all fear, we gain insight into lifelong love. The good news of Jesus, we call that the gospel, the good news of Jesus involves a love that is sacrificial a love that's intentional, a love that's all in. And, and that's a signal to us. You see, at the cross, Jesus showed us just how far love will go. It's an amazing truth, the gospel is. The gospel offers that love to all of us, any who would say yes to Jesus by faith. We'll talk more about that in a few moments. But we get modeled from Jesus that kind of love that I think helps us navigate healthy relationships for a lifetime that, that are, are, are able to handle conflict in a, in a positive way. If you have a Bible or a device, find 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 
I know you've probably been familiar with this passage. If you've ever been to a wedding, you've probably heard some of these phrases, but I want you to, to think bigger than just a wedding ceremony. This is something for Christ followers at all times, in all kinds of relationships. And so this is really, really good advice and really good encouragement for us as we look to, to Jesus who loved perfectly and we can, we can take his example and bring that into uh, our relationships. Starting with verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 13, it says this, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Verse 7, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. So what we have here in, in this passage is really the middle of a longer passage in this letter. This letter was written by the Apostle Paul. He was an early church planter in the first century, and he's writing this letter. We call it a book in the New Testament, but it's a letter written to his friends at the church in ancient Corinth. And he's been talking about in this letter, especially this section, starting with like chapter 12 through chapter 14, he's talking about spiritual gifts and how those work and play in the church family, how each of us has special gifts given by the Spirit to help encourage one another and to build each other up. So he's been talking about that, but right in the middle of that discussion, we get this, this, this little description of the way of love. And I think that's intentional because the climax of all the gifts that we have given by the Spirit all could be encompassed under the umbrella of Biblical love, agape love, putting someone else's needs above our own. So, so the Apostle Paul is trying to help us understand that, that really the climax of all the gifts is the way of love. God-shaped love is a more excellent way and way greater than all the spiritual gifts combined, even the miraculous ones. Love is the right way to exercise all of our gifts. Well, let, let's unpack this passage just a little bit more. I think this will be helpful for us. We have a description here of what love is. And I think these descriptions help us understand that lifelong love and, and relationships and even marriage can, can weather conflict and they can weather difficulty when we are living out love like is described here, the love that Jesus showed. Let's unpack, right? We, we, first of all, we get this, this, this love told in the positive. You know, love is like. And then with the positives, we get love is not like. It's sort of a logical way to look at defining love. So here we are. We have love is patient, love is kind. And that played out would mean what love isn't. That if love is going to be patient and kind, that means love is, love is not boastful or envious. Love's not arrogant or rude. Love isn't irritable or resentful. Love isn't rejoicing in wrongdoing. But in the positive, love is rejoicing with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love is like this bolt of light. So how can we get a little further into this? How do we apply this description of love to our, our modern relationships and, and modern marriage and lifelong love? Well, rather than this fairy tale idea of happily ever after, lifelong love involves a few things. It involves serving and enduring and embracing conflict to build one another up. 
So here's what I want to do. This is what's been called the love progression. And it starts with love, like we've already done. We've read this passage with, uh, really as it's written, love is patient, love is kind. Now I want to insert Jesus' name for the word love. And I don't know if you've ever done this, but, 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 but listen how this, this goes. I'm going to read the passage again, but I'm going to put Jesus, his name, in the place of the word love. Jesus is patient and kind. Jesus does not envy or boast. He is not arrogant or rude. He does not insist on his own way. Jesus is not irritable or resentful. Jesus does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but he rejoices with the truth. Jesus bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Jesus endures all things. You see what that does? It almost brings it more personal. And now, let's take it one step further in this love progression. I want to I insert my name, I want to insert your name in this passage. I'll use my, my name as an example, and I want you to hear this. And I want you to, to, to think about your name in place of mine. Listen to this. Ben is patient. Ben is kind. Ben does not envy or boast. He is not arrogant or rude. Ben does not insist on his own way. He is not irritable or resentful. Ben does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but he rejoices with the truth. Ben bears all things. Ben believes all things. Ben hopes all things. And he endures all things. See, now, now it's personal. That this description of love, we put our name in there and, and we get to see what this could play out in our lives how this could be in our relationships, how this could be in, in marriage, how that plays out. And the question is, could that describe your love? Is your love patient and kind? Is it, is it not boastful or envious? Is it not arrogant or rude? How does your love stack up? And, and you could be in a relationship right now. How, how is your love doing? How does, it, how does it line up with that description? Or maybe, maybe you, you lost a spouse or, or, or you've been divorced or for whatever reason, you, you no longer have that person in your life, could that have described your love? So, do you want that fairy tale? Or, or do you want real, enduring, lifelong love? And if you want that real, enduring, lifelong love, then you, you need to embrace the idea that love regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the conflict or the difficulty, love is intentional, it's sacrificial, it's enduring. It's not primarily based on the moment. It's not primarily based on a feeling. Love is actually a decision and involves action. Even when things get difficult, what do they say in wedding vows? In sickness and in health. Even when it gets difficult, and even when it's hard and it costs you something, that's what a lifelong love entails. Now, you might be asking yourself, okay, Ben, that sounds really good, but how do we do that? How does that play out? Are there some, some pro tips that you could provide? Well, yeah, I have a few that I think has helped my wife, Jackie, and I, and, and, and these might be helpful to you. 
So, so maybe these are some pro tips. I've got two, just two of them for you. The first one is this. In conflict, we would do well to avoid these four things, which are actually in order. They kind of go in progression, and they get progressively worse. In conflict, here's the first pro tip. Avoid criticism. Cutting someone down. Demeaning them. And secondly, avoid defensiveness. That when, when a relationship starts to, to drift into defensiveness, now it's like we're in a battle. So, so we avoid criticism, we avoid defensiveness, and the next kind of rung in the ladder would be contempt. We avoid contempt of another person. That, that is, now we're demeaning them as if they have no worth and we just despise them. And finally, that leads to a final step, which really is kind of the death knell in healthy relationships, and that's stonewalling, where we just decide we're gonna be dead to each other and show not only no emotion, but no communication. Do you see how that progressively gets worse? So that's the pro tip. In conflict, we want to avoid all four of those things at all costs, criticism, defensiveness, contempt, and stonewalling. Here's the second one. Be real with how you feel. This is something that Jackie and I have, have learned, and I'm not very good at that. I'm not very good at telling her exactly how I feel, but I've realized, even when it's not her fault, sometimes she feels like it's her, her fault when I've just had a bad day, and you've had days like that, right? We need to be real with how we feel, and in doing so, not attack the other person. That's a crucial component. We need to be real with how we feel without attacking each other. And here's something that I found very helpful, and this is something that might help you, uh, remind you about this, this pro tip. And, and this is something that I got from a book called Saving Your Marriage uh, uh, Before It Starts, uh, written by the parrots. And this has been very helpful for a lot of people, and I want to share it with you if you've never heard it before. It's healthy to say, in, in trying to describe how you feel in a particular situation or conflict, it's healthy to, th it's healthy to say this. In situation X, you could fill in the blank, right? This is the XYZ approach. So, so in situation X, when you do Y, I feel Z. Does that make sense? It's kind of a, a little bit of a fill in the blank there, but in conflict, when we're having a conversation with someone and things are starting to unravel, it's helpful for us to, to own our feelings and explain it because sometimes it has nothing to do with the other person, but they feel like it might. So this is how you can, in some ways, deflect some of that, uh, the heat of the moment by saying, look, in situation, you fill in the blank, X, when you do Y, I, I feel Z. See, we own those feelings. Be real with how we feel. And it just helps open the dialogue to discussion and hopefully resolution and hopefully strengthening in that relationship. And let me just put a note here, and this is very important. If you and your relationship, say marriage, if you're having conflicts that you or you together cannot simply get past, maybe it could be uh, things that happened in previous relationships in your childhood or other traumas, if there are just things you're finding in your relationship that you cannot get past, that's a good signal that maybe it's time for you to seek help, to seek wise counsel from maybe couples who've been married a long time, maybe some couples that have gone through some hard things, or maybe even talking to a professional. There is no shame in getting healthy. 
talk to a professional, someone who, who can help be that third party to listen and maybe help unpack some of those either past traumas or some things that you just can't get past. There is no shame in getting help. Well, imagine this. Imagine if we could embrace this idea for our relationships, our marriages, for our church families, if we could embrace the resiliency of a lifelong love that can handle and navigate difficulty and conflict. That, that what if we could, for the sake of intimacy and growth, be able to embrace that description of love to navigate whenever things get difficult so that we can grow closer to one another and grow closer to the Lord. Imagine all of us demonstrating a sacrificial, enduring love to the world, to those around us, to our families. Imagine what that would do for people. They would see the beauty of the Lord right through how we love each other. Just imagine that. Well, I want to pray for us here in a minute, but if you've never said yes to the love of Jesus, we've been talking about all kinds of things about the love of Jesus. If you've never said yes to the love of Jesus, He offers that to you free gift. Salvation is a free gift of God. And just by faith saying yes, you can have that love in your life and begin showing that love to the people around you. If you've never said yes, we'd love to help you take a next step today. Please reach out to us. We would love uh, to pray with you and, and help, help you move to that next step. But if you've already said yes to Jesus, and, and many of us already uh, together here today have already said yes to Jesus, but let's embrace this idea of a sacrificial love that can handle conflict. And instead of embracing this crazy idea of happily ever after, that, that actually we would embrace the idea that real love serves and endures. Real love serves and endures. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love and faithfulness, which is a, a model for us. Thank you for Jesus, your son, that modeled true love for us. Father, help us to take uh, what we see in that kind of love and, 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 and empower that love in our relationships. That, Father, we would be challenged and changed by what we see in your son, Jesus, and that would flow into our, our lives, and that would be a healthy love that would last for a lifetime. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.